to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome, everybody, to Natural MD Radio. This is your host, Aviva Ram, and today I'm bringing to you a new feature. This is the first in what I hope is a long and inspiring series of birth stories, women's stories, pregnancy stories, empowerment stories, loss stories, and transformation stories, all the things that we go through in the journey of people in our bodies along a reproductive or not reproductive trajectory of our lives. And I heard a saying a long time ago that is stories are data with a soul. As humans, we are hardwired to remember stories. It's why they have been part of oral tradition and lineage from time immemorial. And there are still cultures around the world who pass on their meaning and their their knowing as stories. And the guests I'm going to bring on are folks who have been through an empowering journey in their experience around pregnancy, birth, or a related area, who have been through a transformation that has shifted their lives in a way that I feel also will bring you just great insight and inspiration and empowerment. So my guest today, I couldn't be more thrilled to start off this series is Jovan Sage. Jovan is a full-spectrum doula, herbalist, integrative health coach, and chef. She's trained as a holistic fertility and sex doula, a rebirth doula, postpartum doula, and placental encapsulator under the National Black Doulas Association. I believe she's on the board too. Is that right, Jovan? Yes, I'm on the advisory board. On the advisory board. And she's a maternal support practitioner with Bebomia. Jovan uses her expertise in plants, herbs, and natural supplements to guide people to find their own healing and resiliency. She brings this knowledge to her work as a full-spectrum doula, supporting women through fertility, conception, and birth journey, and helping prepare the body, mind, and spirit for a new life. Jovan also happens to be one of my students in Herbal Medicine for Women, a volunteer in the Herbal Online Pregnancy Support Course, and a consultant for my small but mighty team at Aviva Ram Enterprises with her own expertise on enhancing our inclusion and support of BIWOC folks. She's not just a knowledgeable and incredibly skilled human being. She's also extremely thoughtful, intuitive, loving, warm, and kind. She holds space for others to feel secure and supported. I'm so grateful for her work with us on our team and very grateful that she's here today to share her story with us. Jovan, thank you for taking time to be here with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Aviva. I'm just so excited to be here and share with everyone. It's wonderful to have you. And you shared a part of your story with me, just one little part of your story as I'm getting to know you, which is just an honor and a privilege. Um, But a few weeks ago, we were chatting about... I think maybe work around the herbal medicine for women course. And we got into one of our long conversations as we have, which I've loved. And you shared an unexpected story that led you into the journey of being a full spectrum doula. And if there's anything you want to jump into before we go there, you know, please do. But to me, it was such a moving story um, that I wondered if you'd be willing to, to walk us through it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think for me, it's really interesting for me as a full spectrum doula who does not have um, living children um, and who was a doula before she ever went to training. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's a part of me. It's a part of that story of like how I got here. Um, so I also used to be a restaurant owner and, um, in 2018, uh, towards the, the fall area, I found out I was pregnant, you know, not, not something that I had planned on. It wasn't something I had it not planned on. It was just something that, that happened. And, you know, so of course, I'm excited and I'm also like, okay, well, you know, we'll see how this first trimester goes kind of feel to it. Um, you know, went about my world, you know, traveling. I had a wedding that I was catering in California. Um, I'm actually based in Georgia. Um, and, you know, came back from California um, to that, you know, first ultrasound where they're, you know, finding the heartbeat and everything um, to find out that there wasn't a heartbeat. Um me and my partner, you know, were there in the room, you know, and I could see him, you know, slumped down. I mean, as, as she pulled up the, the, you know, the ultrasound on the, on the wall, you know, cause they have all these very special, cute little ways of, of displaying things to you there. And, and I was just like, I was, before I even said it, I knew it. Um, I, you know, I was just like, no, there's, there's nothing happening there. Um, it, there's, there's no heartbeat. And she confirmed it. And it, you know, plunged me into this place of, um, of like, oh, wow, I did want that. You know, I did want that pregnancy to come to term. And I was, and I was at the end of the first beginning of the second trimester. So I was also like, okay, um, I am that, I guess, what is it? One in four, um, who has faced pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. And, um, the thing that they tell you, and you know, everybody was really compassionate. My OBGYN was very compassionate. Um, but she said something to me, um, that just still sticks with me now. It's just like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to move you to this other room and then we're going to talk about your choices. Um, and for me in that moment, it just, it felt so, cruel and she didn't mean it that way but it was the way I was just like choices what what choice could you possibly be giving me now like my choices I would have carried to term Uh, and um so what what choices could you possibly be talking about um and uh and so for me it was like also like coming to terms with that both for me as myself and then me in a partnership of like what what are we going to talk about in this next space and kind of like you know that kind of floating above and kind of looking down and like seeing yourself and being like, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what, what's next here. Um, but you know, she took, took us to the room and gave us some time and she came back in and she was just like, you know, based on where you're at, um, you know, cause I did have, um, for folks who maybe don't know, um, I had a missed miscarriage, um, which, you know, from what I understand, you know, miss miscarriage, basically your body doesn't recognize that um, the the pregnancy is no longer viable. Um, and this, but it's still holding on to it. So I still had all the same, you know, the nausea, the food aversions and, and all of those things. So my body was still very much so acting as if it was pregnant, um, but it was not. And it wasn't passing and it wasn't passing naturally. And so, you know, this appointment was on a Friday and she was just like, take the weekend, you know, um, if you want to, the options are that you wait. I don't recommend you wait more than two weeks um, for, for the, um, the fetus to pass um, or 
we can talk about a D a D and E. And so, um, based on, based on the size and where I was at, um, in my pregnancy, her recommendation was a D and E and not a DNC. Um, and so I was just like, wow, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. And so me and my partner, we left, um, and, you know, we were running, we also had our restaurant. So he ended up having to go back to the restaurant and I literally laid on the bed and just like screamed, um, in ways that, uh, I don't think I could ever reproduce the scream, uh, <laughs> in real time. Was it just uh, so it primal? Just, it was, yes, it was grief. It was everything. Thankfully we, we have some acreage around us. Um, <laughs> my, my dogs were very concerned. Um, but it was just that moment. Like I needed to get it out yeah. um, get that scream out and to be like, okay, well, now I have choices, um, that, that I had have to make. And, um, and so, you know, we waited and I researched and, you know, for me, it's, it was also that moment, um, because as a, a you know, small business owner, um, I didn't have personal insurance. So whatever I was going to do, I was going to have to be paying in cash. Um, so I was like, well, let me see if this can naturally pass. And, and I was just recognizing like how limited, um, my own herbal knowledge was in this area. Um, you know, I've, I'm an herbalist, like, you know, I've studied things, I've been to classes, I, you know, but this isn't something that most, um, herbal training programs teach you. Like, how do you, you know, pass, um, a fetus that, that is dead, you know, yeah. like how, how do you make your miscarriage like fully realize itself? Um, and, you know, I pulled out, you know, all of my different like women's herbal books and, and they're just, they're not out there in that way. And there's, yeah. um, in the South, we used to have a lot of like grand midwives and they're no longer here. So there was nobody I could reach out to. And because I was early in the pregnancy, I hadn't, um, hired a doula yet. So there was like, I was literally alone. Yeah. Um, I remember and- you said to me on the phone, like, it really struck me. The moment you said this is like, okay, we have to do this as a podcast if she's willing to, which is, um, you said, where were the grandmothers when I needed them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. were the grandmothers? And we do, you will, as you'll learn in herbal medicine for women, we do cover that and we do cover, I do cover, talk about it in my textbook and in my pregnancy book. But a lot of the challenges that I think a lot of us don't put a lot of it in writing only because of the concern that somebody might use it for an abortion. And a lot of people don't want that to happen with their information. So a lot of the miscarriage information has gone. Unfortunately, it's like a role that I play, of course, in my community, but it's gone underground because of that association with the same herbs being used for abortion. And even going back to, yeah, even going back to the, um, Grand Midwives, I was just reading a book recently about the um, practices of herbal medicine and midwifery and conjuring in the um, time of the enslavement and then in the antebellum, and then um, talking about how when particularly black midwives started to be exterminated from the medical like world, right, like completely eliminated mm-hmm. strategically one of the one of the um, accusations was that they did dangerous abortions, which was ironic because the midwives weren't doing the dangerous abortions. It was the women who didn't have access or who were going to doctors. So absolutely. So, absolutely. so much of it's gone. It, yeah. Underground. It's, 
gone. And also, if you you know look at Georgia, um, I think recently um, we Sister Song had sued um, the state for they did one of those like abortion bans at like six weeks, and so recently we just won an injun- injunction to like keep that law from going into effect here in Georgia. Yeah, it's so We're powerful. One of the states that hasn't expanded Medicaid coverage, um, and so we're not protecting. And many hospitals don't no longer have OBGYNs here, especially in the rural parts of the of the state. And so, and we also have one of the highest Black maternal mortality rates. And so, it's just like the healthcare for women here is is it's just not. Um, and so, we're left to our devices. We're left to figure it out. Um, and and it's. It's hurting and it's and it's killing people, you know, in, in so many ways. And so for me, it was definitely one of those as I, you know, worked through work through the grief and, you know, understood, okay, well, you know, I, I don't have the knowledge and there's nobody who can help me like figure this out. Um, I also don't want to end up in the emergency room because, you know, my my miscarriage goes doesn't go well, you know? Um, and so I chose to, um, go ahead and schedule, um, the D and E, um, and uh, what's funny or not funny is that they actually scheduled it for Halloween, uh, which apparently nobody wanted that date. So it was open. It was still a week or so away, but, um, it was just like, so going in there on Halloween where everybody's like in their little, you know, cat ears and everything else and, you know, going in and, you know, like having to do things like, you know, I wear, um, West African waist beads. And so I literally had to, um, cut one set off, pull the other set off. Um, you know, everyone that I talked to from the nurse who did my intake to the male anesthesiologist were all like, um, yeah, we've, we've had our, you know, we've had miscarriages. Um, we, you know, so everybody was literally like pouring their hearts out to me and like, you know, and kind of bringing me into this circle, this, you know, in many ways, unspoken circle of folks who have faced pregnancy loss. That's um, really beautiful yeah. because I will tell you that is not the usual story that I hear. I have probably since I wrote the natural pregnancy book, which came out in like 1996, I think. I probably get more emails and calls and social media contacts from women who said that book was the only touchstone when they had a miscarriage. And they had, I th- I've heard women say things like, you know, they're going in for their DNC or DNE, and a nurse or an OB or someone will say, oh, well, don't worry, honey, you can always have another one or just these really callous statements or just or treated like, well, why are you making this such a big deal? So the fact that you got such loving care, I mean, I wish that for every woman. I'm so glad you had it. Absolutely. It's just not the usual. Absolutely. No, I'm I am um I was so appreciative. And I think it's also like, you know, you see the stats you know, that one in four and and everything else, but it isn't until you're like literally talking to people and hearing their stories that it's really, um, it really like goes to your heart. Like it's not, it's no longer a stat, you know, it's your, um, it's your neighbor down the street. It's, you know, one of your customers. Uh, it's, you know, so all of these people like who I had entrusted to, to say what was going on were able to like come forth with their own story too. And so, um, as I say, like, you know, that, that loss, even though it was, 
It was awful and not something that I would want to repeat at all. Um, it was also a portal. Um, and it was a portal to the work that I had been denying and putting to the side. Um, you know, as I said before, like I have acted as a doula before and it was always something that I was just like, oh, that's down the road. That's later. I'll, I'll look at that later. And literally that miscarriage was like, um, no, one, you need to like doula yourself care for yourself, heal yourself. And there's this other calling that you've been denying um, that you need to, to answer. And so that's part of that, that herbal um, work as well. Um, that's part of that doula training and, and really like getting into that work of doing that, that advocacy as well. You know, it's, it's, um, I'm grateful also, you know, even though I, I am pro-choice and I'm still pro-choice. Um, it was definitely a moment of like, okay, now you get to like walk, walk your talk. Um, I'm grateful that there were doctors who were skilled and who knew what needed to happen, um, you know, in that room, um, who took care of me and who, you know, even the anesthesiologist who, you know, he, he, called it what it is, you know, he called it an abortion. And he was just like, uh, he's like, you know, it's like, cause that's still the medical term. For it, it is. Yep. Um, and, and so, but he still like, you know, corrected himself in that, in that moment because he cared, um, about, you know, my, my going through that, that situation. And so for me, it was just this really huge wake up call, um, into my own healing and into the work that, you know, I really needed to, to sit down and like focus on. Jovan, when you were first in that first room and the ultrasound showed the baby had no heartbeat, um, and you said that, the OB said, we're going to take you to this other room and talk to you about your choices. Mm -hmm. It sounds like your journey got much better from there, but in terms of like the support you got, not that a miscarriage journey gets better, but that the support got better. What could have, like, what, what were you wanting or needing to hear or to have happen right in that moment? Like what, what space did you need held or what could somebody have said or done differently to have not created that feeling of disconnect for you? Do you have a sense of what that might've been? I think what, I mean, the, the thing is the, the, um, the technician, you know, who, who did it. Um, I actually think she hugged me oh. at some point, um, you know, which was beautiful and sweet, you know, like I'm, not a big hugger, but you know, I, I can embrace a hug, although right now with COVID, probably not so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was definitely this moment of just like, of knowing it. And then also, I think seeing the body language of my partner, who's, you know, he's, he's a veteran, he's a farmer, he's a chef. And so he's very much so like very alpha. Um, and but to see him, um, crumple in that moment, you know, and like everyone was tending to me. I think it would tend to him as well in that space. Um, I think it would have been important also to, I don't know. I think there's something about moving into a different um, space that was, that was challenging um, to very much so where it was like, okay, well this part of your world is over and now we're back into normal. 
And I think that that was, uh, I, I think I need some more space in that other world first. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've seen that happen in hospitals and conversations before where that shift in space can be very disruptive. It breaks the energy and it breaks the flow and it distracts you from what you're actually, it disconnects you from what you're actually needing to process and experience. And then you're also, look, that, you, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think within that too, and it, and this is the thing that I learned on my journey is that whether there's a live pregnancy or not, there's still a postpartum period. Yeah. And within those choices that I was, you know, had to choose between, like nobody told me that. Yeah. Nobody. I was left to figure that out. I mean, even after the surgery, like I still had pregnancy symptoms. So you got the clinical details and you got caring medical care, but you didn't get a whole woman experience and you it sounds like you got what is typical like okay well the miscarriage happened and now you're back into your regular life as if it never happened yes exactly and actually like two or three days later after the surgery I was on the stage at the Savannah you know wine and food festival presenting and I had a booth and I totally should not have been out there like you know if if you look at the pictures of me at that time when when I wasn't paying attention like I was not there, um, in any shape, form or fashion, um, physically, like I needed to heal, like mentally I needed to heal spiritually. I needed to heal. Um, but that's, that's stuff that, you know, once you're like discharged, uh, that's you're on your own. And so now at this point, had you told anyone you were pregnant? I had told a few folks, um, you know, I had told, I told, you know, my, my parents, of course, like his parents, you know, um, my sisters, and then maybe a few folks here and there that I worked closely with. Um, and it was, it was just so surreal, I think in so many ways, cause they're like, Oh, don't tell a lot of people. And so I was like, of course, like, let me not tell a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Um, but afterwards you're just like, shoot, who did I tell? Yeah. Who do I need to now go back and have a conversation with or, whatever somebody needs to go have a conversation with them that you know there's in fact javon is no longer pregnant and um she would rather not talk about it or she's totally okay talking about it and and so i think that that was i think that there's there's something that i get like post that where i was just like maybe i should have just told whoever i wanted to tell Mm -hmm. and then been able to have the kind of support the community support you know like everybody comes out for um you know for for all these gender reveals and baby showers, like maybe there should be, um, you know, a post loss shower. Like how do we show our love and affection and care to somebody who's just gone through something that is, is traumatic. Yeah. I just heard a song. It was a a short video. Someone sent me and I, I wish I knew who the musician was, but it was a really beautiful, um, it was about, uh, pregnancy loss and how you nobody gives you a shower. Like nobody gives, that was like the whole thing. Like nobody gives you a shower. And, you know, I come from um, a family with Jewish tradition. And in Jewish tradition, you don't tell anyone you're pregnant for the first five months. Now, I don't practice Judaism and I didn't follow that. But I think it, it speaks of two things. One, it speaks of how pregnant, how common pregnancy loss is, that there's a whole tradition about not speaking of it because a loss might happen. But I think also it speaks to 
a lot of shame in in that, well, if you hadn't told anybody, then nobody knows it happened. And that makes it painfully invisible too for women. Um, I don't know if you have any knowledge if if there are any indigenous or traditional practices uh, around or beliefs around not um, telling in other culture, any black indigenous culture. I don't know, but it's definitely, it's a huge thing and it persists into modern day Jewish mm-hmm. culture, not Orthodox even, but just like the general kind of way of doing things. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, you know, for me, you know, growing up, um, in a black family and where most of my family is from the South. I mean, it's the same thing, like not, not five months. It's more just like kind of keep it to that first trimester, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like keep it under wraps, like don't tell anybody because you may lose it and there's no conversation. So, you know, when I, uh, I also look back to, and this is also one of the reasons I chose to have um, surgery in that moment, instead of waiting the full uh, two weeks, it was that, um, when I was 10 years old, um, I had actually been by my mother's side when she had a miscarriage. And I remember, I mean, one, I remember just being like, okay, well, you know, there's going to be a little one and, you know, like, okay, how do we navigate that? And then also just like going through the loss. Um, I just remember, I just remember there being so much blood. I remember her crying. I remember her screaming. It, it, you know, she was in pain and, and upset. And I just, I remember that fear. I remember that fear. Um, you know, 10, 10 year, 10 year old me. Yeah. It's um, traumatic. You know, and for my mom, it wasn't her first miscarriage because, um, actually outside of my older sister, um, me, my younger sister, my younger brother were all rainbow babies. So before we were born, my mom had a miscarriage before each of us. Oh, wow. Um, And, you know, there's also conversations that uh, maybe at some point I was a twin um, in utero. Um, And so I think that for me, like, it wasn't something that we really talked about afterwards, other than more than likely there'll be another one and it'll be okay. But I don't. I don't believe there was any talk of like, you know, healing for my mom around therapy around, you know, what, what did that mean for us kids? Like who were there to like witness it, you know, like, yes, this is a natural thing, but it's also a scary thing. You know, the, the ambulance came, there were lights and sounds and, you know, rushing and, and she was taken away to, to the hospital. And so, so I think that there's, there's like ways in which, yes, this is natural, but yes, it's also traumatic. And it's also something to heal from. And that for some people, like there may not be another one, mm-hmm. um, whether they want, want there to be one or not. You know, you, you bring up um, about ex- watching your mom go through a miscarriage and that's actually also extremely rare. I, um, I actually had an opportunity too when I was young, my mom, my, one of my brothers, um, best friend's mom went through a miscarriage and I just remember she was pregnant with her third kid and so the husband stayed home with the two children and my mom didn't have a babysitter for me she was a single mom and she had to take this woman to the hospital and so for me my first association with miscarriage was also hospital it wasn't an emergency it was just like hospital something's wrong. There's something that women aren't talking about, but clearly this is a woman thing happening here. 
And it was very uh, mysterious and confusing. And, you know, I've helped so many women miscarry at home, but um, one of the things that is so important is to have a guide or information to let you know what is or isn't normal. And I shared with you when we were on the phone that day that one of my um, now dear friends, but a woman I had just met who lived in my town, um, was pregnant, 42, with her first baby and started having spotting. And she asked me, you know, what do I do? And I said, well, like, you're early, so you kind of probably wouldn't even see what's going on on ultrasound yet. Unfortunately, it's sort of a wait and watch. And here's what to look out for. And here's how much bleeding is normal. And here's when it's not anymore. And she happened to be going away for a weekend with um, some pretty well-known wellness people, one of whom um, was really close friends with a very well-known doula. And my friend started, now friends started bleeding more and more. And they were all like, oh, well, it's a miscarriage. That's normal. And they called the doula and the doula's like, oh, that's totally normal. And then by the time um, she, my friend finally called an ambulance, um, within a few minutes of calling the ambulance, she had lost so much blood. She was unconscious. They had to take her to the hospital, give her a couple of units of blood. And like, that is not the usual that is not the usual, but it can happen. So, um, you know, making a choice that's right for you and that you feel safe with of how and where to miscarry is very important. I think it's really wonderful that you made a choice that you felt empowered by and also safe with. And especially because you had that very strong imprint as a young, young person. Mm -hmm. Did -hmm. you talk to your mom? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Oh yeah. No, I was just, and also, you know, for also for someone who doesn't have insurance, like I also know that an emergency room visit is a lot more expensive than moving forward in the way that I did too. So I think that there was, there were some, you know, how can I balance it? And then also, you know, be able to like move forward because, you know, for folks who haven't um, faced uh, a missed miscarriage, which I think, you know, I think, Yes, they're all natural, but there's something that just feels a little extra cool about the mis- miscarriage yeah. and that your body is still still kind of going along as if everything is is okay for the most part, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're, you're just like, at this point, you're just like, I'm literally, I'm carrying around yeah. a fetus that's died. Like, yeah. and so, so I think there's like a little bit of extra, but for me, what felt like extra grief of like not knowing when it was going to come, you knew it was going to come. You didn't know when it was going to happen or how it was going to happen. And you're still going through the same, um, you know, symptoms that you had when you knew there was a, a lot of fetus there. So I think yeah. that that's one of the challenging things. And um, definitely when I talk to moms about, you know, guidance, it's like one of the conversations. So for those of you who are listening who, who aren't familiar with these terms, let's, let me just back up and say there's what's called a complete miscarriage. And then as Jovan was saying, miscarriage and abortion are interchangeable terms in medicine. It doesn't like it's not one is intentional and one isn't. So it's a, it, in medicine you might also hear the term um, complete abortion. So I'll use the term miscarriage though here. So uh, a, a complete miscarriage is what happens when your body just kind of goes to it and does the work and. Um, a lot of times miscarriages happen before you even realize you're pregnant. So it just could be like a normal or a heavy period. Or there is a demise, the baby dies, stops growing, dies. And then your body just is like, okay, I'm going to have contractions. I'm going to pass this tissue out. 
and you're done. Then there's a missed miscarriage, which is what Jovan is explaining. The baby, and this is very common, the baby has died. Usually the scenario is a woman goes in for a routine ultrasound and is often still having pregnancy symptoms, although sometimes in retrospect she might say, oh, yeah, I stopped noticing like my nausea or my breast stopped hurting like two weeks ago and I, I didn't really think twice about it. I just thought that was done. Um, but then she finds that the baby has passed, and but her body isn't doing the work yet of having contractions to pass that along. And statistically, a large number of women, if you wait two to four weeks, will complete that miscarriage. But as Javon is saying, like the emotional agony, the stress of going around with this miscarriage, this baby that you maybe were or weren't hoping for, but at that point, you know, you probably were expecting to have if you hadn't terminated um, is really painful. And so a lot of times I'll guide mamas, like one of the conversation points is how do you think you might feel about waiting and, you know, this anticipation and this anxiety and that grief. And then the third kind is what's called an incomplete miscarriage, where you start to miscarry and you pass some of the tissue, but you don't pass it all. And in that case, usually you'll go in for something called a DNC, which is where the inside of the uterus is, your cervix gets dilated and the inside of the uterus is just kind of scraped along the uterine wall for what tissue is in there with the D and E. It's more a formed um, fetus at that point. So it's more of an elaborate extraction and um, just a, a much kind of like emotionally, I can't compare, but physically it's a bigger, a bigger procedure. And I think cognitively, if you know that that's happening, it's a bigger procedure too. Absolutely, absolutely. And and for me at the time, like I was vaguely aware of the difference between a DNE and a DNC. Um, but you know, of course, I had that weekend to like think on it. So of course, I'm on you know Google, like okay, what is it? And I'm like, oh wow. And with the with the DNE, you usually have to be you have to be put under anesthesia. And so yeah. for me, this was actually my first time ever going in for any kind of operation or anything. And so I had never had anesthesia before, you know, I had laughing gas for a tooth extraction, but that's the extent of it. So, um, so that was challenging. And I think also on the, um, on the, the other aspect of it too, was like one of the challenges was that, um, for me, and that's why I also said it was a portal, you know, Halloween is also a portal time, um, as well. And so like, I, Apparently, I took a, a much too long um, to wake up from anesthesia. Um, and so um, everyone was actually worried for me because I wasn't waking up um, mm -hmm. during that time. And so I think that there was just, it's just a whole lot, you know, to like hold in that space. And, you know, again, it drastically shifted my life because, um, not soon thereafter, like probably like within the month, I had decided to close the restaurant, um, to move back to our farm, um, and to, to really dive into like my healing. And within like six months, like I was training to be a doula and like getting into that work. So, um, for me, like it really was a portal to, um, this aspect of my life of diving more into the herbs and a more, um, disciplined and, uh, you know, the direct way. And also like being in this, in this birth space, whether it's like physically being there, um, but also I'm finding I'm 
I'm doing a lot of work around, you know, fertility and postpartum as well. Um, and so it's beautiful to like actually help people on, on their journey and to be able to take those lessons that I learned and incorporate them into my practice. Javon, when you came home from the hospital after the DNE, did you have any, um, any, um, I don't know what a graceful word is, but did you have anything that you could do a burial with from the baby or was that something that you wanted to do or was it you felt like, tell, tell me what that was like for you, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, I mean, there wasn't, I, nobody gave me any options for anything. So I think that for me, I just assumed that there wasn't, that they would take the remains and they would dispose of them in the way that they needed to. Um, and so I came home cause it's, you know, it's, it's not uh, something that you stay overnight for. So, you know, once I was awake and dressed and they felt that everything was good, I was discharged and, and walked out um, with my partner um, to come home. And so for me, there was definitely some spiritual work that happened. There's lots of prayers. I mean, and then there's also, you know, there's also cuss- cussing at the gods too, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there's that, that aspect of it of just like, why me? Why this? You know, why, you know, why do I have to make a choice? You know, like so many people just miscarry and didn't even know that they were pregnant. Um, but, you know, I knew for what, like two and a half months. You know, so that's, yeah. that's a long time to like, you know, hold on to that and to be like, oh, you know, like I probably when I was in Seattle, like traveling before I had to go to California, like I actually dipped into like, you know, a little baby store because I was just like, I know I'm not supposed to be here because, you know, it felt like it was, you know, tempting the gods a little too uh-huh. much. But I was just like, I just I just have to come in here and have to see like I'm here, like I have nothing to do. And there's a baby store just here and open on this beautiful day. And so, so you were already uh, attached and getting excited and then absolutely yeah. absolutely i mean i i had a whole spreadsheet for doulas that i was going to interview you know once i got back into town and you know all of that and so very much so and and i even didn't want to travel you know cuz i had to go to seattle and then i went to california and i was just like oh i just really would like to be at home and like just be okay you know and not be traveling a lot and you know so but yeah. so i think that there was there was that aspect of it. And then, you know, just the things that I had to shift in my life, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a food person, I've run restaurants, I'm a chef. um, And I'm also a coffee person, I used to run coffee houses in in New York City. And so one of the one of my pregnancy symptoms was an aversion to coffee. Um, Which, you know, was partly why I had to like tell some people about, you know, the the pregnancy, because I was just like, "Um, yeah, I know I drink coffee, like, it's, you know, mother's milk, but uh, no, I can't have coffee right now. <laughs> um, so I like literally now for my clients, I literally, you know, because I tried all of them, you know, all yeah. the different coffee alternatives. So, um, but, um, and then aversion to meat, like I was actually vegetarian um, during my pregnancy because I could not eat meat. Like, and it wasn't even a nausea. It was just like, no, I'm good. I yeah. Don't want so meat. interesting. <laughs> well, and I just want to clarify for listeners, um, before I ask you this question, I'm about to ask you that travel, um, a reasonable amount of coffee a day, um, all of the things Jovan is talking about that, you know, she's involved in and doing as far as her work do not cause miscarriages. Those do not cause miscarriages. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. I just am curious, though, so many women I work with, of course, you know, as normal parts of the grief and also just wanting to make sure they don't do something again if they think they did something harmful. But I go through so so much with mamas reassuring them about or women who are going through miscarriage or have miscarried. Um, like there's so much self-blame and self-doubt and self-interrogation. Did you go through that? Absolutely. Um, I think that for me, you know, and also being older too, I mean, you know, at the time, what, what am I, 30, what was I, 36, 36, 37? Um, and so for me, I was just like, oh, like, you know, like, what did I do? Like, should I have traveled? Like, maybe I should have sat at home. Um that's why I clarified that before I asked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe not eating meat was a bad thing. Like maybe, you know, that should have told me something was wrong. Like, you know, like, I mean, I've been drinking coffee since I was 10. Maybe that should have been, you know, like something's off if Javon doesn't like coffee, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I mean, and, but that's part of the healing process too. I mean, you know, for me, there's definitely a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation, um, a lot of, you know, work. Um, before, while, you know, once I found out I was pregnant, the first person that I told other than my partner was actually, you know, my godmother who, mm-hmm. um, is in a West African, uh, traditional religion. And so, you know, she was just like, I need you to come over on Sunday. We've got some work to do. And so, you know, we actually did some offerings to Oshun. Oh, she's y- Yoruba. There in that space yeah <laughs> prayers in that space um to like you know bless the pregnancy mm-hmm. and 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 the thing is it's you know what she told me was like you know um be find ways to be joyful no matter what mm-hmm. was actually what she said and this is you know where you're just like oh crap i'm pregnant uh, what what do i do what's going on um and that would come back to me later you know after after the, you know, learning about the miscarriage and then going through the surgery was that I still needed to find that joy regardless of the outcome. Yeah. Although like a lot of women have, a lot of women have normal, it's so normal to be ambivalent. Like you said, when you realized you were pregnant, you're like, oh crap, it's like my whole life. I got to change my whole life. And some women, I mean, we all, I think, or most women go through that at least some point when they're pregnant with even if they have several children and then they have another, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. And then when women miscarry, sometimes blame themselves like, oh, it was my thoughts that caught, like my ambivalence caused that, or I was too negative. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, is like, you're going to go, I mean, for many people, that's going to be a natural way of, as they work through grief, you know, like grief looks so different and, you know, like, I would be fine at six months afterwards. And I was like, Oh, I'm good. And I feel good. And I feel ready to do this work and then come up on the, the anniversary of the loss. And you're just, and you just kind of lose it, you know, mm-hmm. and cry. And you're just like, why, you know? And so it's just our mother's day, which my first mother's day mm-hmm. was like very rough, mm-hmm. um, very rough. Um, and so I took myself down to the water and, you know, um, said prayers and, you know, let that grief like go into the ocean like that for me, that was a part of my, my healing practice, um, was to, again, like focus on that joy and also understanding that there for me, 
there was a message in it and, and other folks may not have a message, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. But for me, there was a message that one, my life wasn't going in the direction that I wanted it to. Um, there were, there was a calling, there was a calling, like I'd already been called to do this, this work. And I had kept ignoring it and continuing on, you know, in the other areas um, that, you know, were great. And I was successful, you know, in those areas, but, um, but that, you know, this work kept calling and I kept being like, ah, later until the universe was just like, no, now heal or heal thyself. (laughs) Was it something specific about the experience was there was there just a moment or was it more a slower realization i guess i'm trying to say like what what was that inner shift of going through a pregnancy loss to saying okay universe now i'm walking through the door to become a full spectrum doula mhm i think i mean it was definitely a process i mean i think for me part of my regrets um after the surgery, like I actually really regretted not reaching out to a doula or a midwife. I was just like, why didn't I, when I was doing my research, like, cause I was in that phrase in that place of like, Oh, don't tell anybody. So of course don't reach out to a doula or a midwife. You know, it's much too soon for that. And I regretted not reaching out to that because, because I know now that there may have been things that, you know, the, the doula could have helped me with. Um, could have sent me referrals to whether that was, you know, therapists or, you know, other herbalists who could help me like heal my body that could also like help me, you know, really like work through that postpartum as well, you know, as your body as the the hormones are going away. And, you know, and and then there's also, you know, because it was a DNE, like, like I, my physically, I felt different, like down there. And so like being able to like have somebody there to like, guide me in that way would have been so amazing. And and it wasn't until later on my healing journey that I was just like, Oh, I I think that's part of what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) It's powerful. I mean, even as a midwife, I was the only midwife in my community between 1985 and two and 1999. Um, before I went to med school that, um, I'm sorry, 2005 before I went to med school. So 20 years. And I lived in Atlanta for, um, 17 of that and Michigan for three of that. And in both of those communities, I was the only midwife that provided services around miscarriage. And it was really in those early years, it was really before there were very many doulas, but not a lot of doulas now are providing miscarriage support. Did you did you seek out extra training or did the training that you did provide training around loss? The the training that I, I attended with the National Black Doula Association and Bebomia talked about it. It wasn't something that we went super hard in on. Um, although part of my training is to find identify resources for loss and everything else. Um, I did I've so sought out other trainings to dive deeper into it, um, as well as find identifying resources as well. Um, you know, for me, it was also putting myself in the place of like, what, what did I wish I had known um, that, you know, that I didn't know. And I think that that's, that was one of the things that I took into my training. Like I went into my training with a mission, you know, not, yeah. not a general, like I'm, I'm here to save the pregnant women, you know, from m- maternal mortality, but more like, no, what, what happens when 
you have to heal? What happens when you're looking at fertility and you just had a miscarriage? You know, what things need to happen, you know, in between. And so I think it's, it's funny. It's like, you know, I, I do go into the birth space and I am a birth doula, but um, the way that the world is kind of folding in is that more like I'm being called to do that postpartum and fertility support. Mm. Um, and part of that also is for me, you know, as someone who has um, and has navigated polycystic ovarian syndrome um, and, you know, other like reproductive issues, like that's where my expertise lies in so many ways. Um, and it's also where, where I get excited. And so, you know, while, you know, I'm great in the birth space and that's actually, you know, I've, I've acted as a doula in the birth space before for friends, um, before I, before I trained. So I actually, you know, that's why I say I was a doula before I was a doula, um, is that I have operated in that, in that way. Um, but now that I'm trained, um, the, the fertility and the postpartum, uh, especially in a herbal context, um, is what people are really seeking me out for. Mm, it's really such rewarding work. And even when there is loss to be able to be in that sacred space and hold that space with a woman is really, I find it to be an incredible gift and privilege that someone can even trust you to be in that space where they're so vulnerable Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, there's so much fear there too, you know, like, yeah. especially if you wanted um, to have a child, you know, like, is it going to come again? You know, I know that those, those are some of the thoughts too. Like, can I get pregnant again? Everybody says it happens, but is it going to happen for me? Right. Like, you know, what can I do differently to make sure? And so, and so part of my work is like, you know, doing, being on that um, journey with folks. And I always kind of couch it that way. Like, this is a journey. You know, we don't, we don't know where we're going to go. We know, you know, the goals that we have and we have skills and we have resources, but that ultimately part of a doula's role is to, is to be that person like walking side by side um, with a couple or, you know, with, you know, I've worked with single moms before. And, and so it's like, how can we be there to like really support them no matter the outcome? Javon, you said that um, you partly um, were going into your training with this idea of sort of what you wished you had known. If you could say sort of three things that you wish you knew, you mentioned one already that there has to be a postpartum after a miscarriage. It's something that that time needs to be honored. Um, And I want to swing back around to that, but what are some of the other few things, a few of the things that you wish you had known? Well, I think, and and I think you got into this earlier, like, I wish I had known that it wasn't my fault. Mm. Um, I think I had an inkling around that based on, um, you know, I mean, I'm someone who where people naturally like open up to me. Um, I'm totally an introvert. But you know, like people seem to find me and they spill everything, even though they don't even necessarily know my last name. (laughs) And so, um, so a lot of folks like found me in that in that space of like going through a miscarriage. And they were just like, Oh, well, this was my miscarriage. And this was my miscarriage, which is a, it's a lot to hold as you're, you know, going through your own miscarriage, and people are like, literally, spilling their their you know stories and their grief to you yeah and so um so I think I had some priming to understand that this is you know something that's normal also being a rainbow baby myself like you know yes you know miscarriage happens but I think it's like also like you're just like okay did I not you know just 
you know, should I have discovered it sooner? Like, did I do the vitamins early enough? Did I have enough folate? You know, like all of those things, like, you know, should I have traveled across the country, you know, um, yeah. all of that stuff. And I, and I, and so there's a that internal, like knowing and that knowing that, you know, I did everything that I could, um, within, you know, within, within reason, like I, you know, I, I use the knowledge that I had and, and thankfully I'm, I feel like I'm a, a more educated because I've always worked in that reproductive justice world. Um, but there's just things that, you know, the life goes a different way and you just have to take what lessons you can. Um, I think the other thing that I had wish I had known, and that's also why I pushed forward on my postpartum healing was um, for me as someone who works in food um, and you know, I'm also a wellness coach is, it's like also like what foods are, are healing for that, that postpartum time. Um, what role does food and nutrition play throughout the pregnancy, whether that's, you know, trying to conceive or being pregnant or doing your postpartum, like, what are the things that are going to nourish your, your mind, body and spirit? Um, and, you know, do more of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what would you think some of those things are? So, um, you know, and I, I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to kind of bring us, you know, to a, a close of our circle, which also feels like bringing us to maybe closing with some of the healing things mamas can do or, and I use the term mamas intentionally um, because I think that so many women who go through miscarriage are like, well, I'm not a mom now, but, but they did go through the bonding. They did go through becoming a mom. And, and you even introduce yourself as um, a person without living children. Like you, I hear you identifying as a mom. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's, that's hard fought. Like I, I tussled with that a bit, you know, cause it's part of that blame too of like, Oh, I'm not a mom, you know, I'm not a mom. And then I'm just like, wait, mm, no, I do mother people, you know, that is part of, part of my work, but that I'm, I'm someone who has been pregnant. I'm someone who, you know, I have seen, you know, the, the child on the, on the uh, ultrasound. Um, and so I think that for me, it was being okay with that. And I think that that was part of my healing journey as well, is that, you know, is, is understanding that, you know, pregnancy is still pregnancy. I was still pregnant. Um, and it didn't end up in a live birth. Um, but there was, a birthing of sorts. Um, and I think that that's around, you know, when we're talking about like that closure piece is, and this is part of the thing that I think is important for, for doulas to learn, you know, about, um, about miscarriage and loss before they have to like actually support somebody in that realm. Um, because there may not be closure, you know, there are some folks who miscarry at home and they, you know, have a little bit of the tissue that they can bury in the background in the, in the backyard or something. Some of us never get to see that. Yeah. Some of us never get that kind of closure. Um, some of us are under anesthesia and, you know, don't even, it, you feel the same that when, when you wake up, um, you know, and there, so there is no like clear cut um, closure that you would have. And, and so, but it's also, I think for me, I think it's okay. And, and this is where I fall out in it and other people may not feel the same, but I do think it's important to tell people that you're pregnant 
or at least tell people like within your circle, like the, the people who you would be like, these are the people who have to be at that baby shower, I think are the people that you're like, you have to tell. Um, because if you do go through a pregnancy loss, those are going to be the people who support you. Those are going to be the people who come and sit with you when you're like not talking. They're the people who are going to bring you some, some wonderful like Vietnamese like broth or something, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and that's, I think that's important. I think it's important to like start building your community early so that you're not sitting at home depressed alone and not actively working through the grief or having support to work through the grief, um, which could have very easily happened to me. You know, like I had one friend who ended up coming and just sitting with me. I was just like, I'm like, I'm not really company. Um, she's like, that's okay. We can just sit here. And literally we just sat there. <laughs> how how was it, it for your partner during this time? Was he getting any support or were you guys able to no. really be open and communicate? We were open and communicating. And I think that this is, this is the, I think also the work that, you know, doulas should learn about as well is like, how do you work with a partner on loss? Um, and how do you work with a couple? Because the loss doesn't just happen in that moment. Um, I remember like a year anniversary, like where he was just like, for him, he was like, I'm done with it. I've like processed it. I'm done with it. And I'm, I was like, I'm still in it. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm mad at you because you're gone and I'm here still mm. in it. And so I think that that's like part of it too, is like, what kind of support system do you have to like work through your grief? What kind of support and resources can you offer a couple that is going through loss? And how can you, how can there be a support system, um, for, you know, the, the partner, whether that's, you know, a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a fiance, whatever that looks like, um, to be able to like hold their own grief and like work through their grief and support their partner. Um, because it, it definitely feels like it's very much so, um, in many ways, it's very isolating, um, miscarriage because it's just like, well, I'm the one who went through it, you know, like, so I think that that that's part of it too, which is why it's, it is important for doulas to get that kind of training so that they can help people navigate, um, that, that grief and, and all the different ways it shows up. Jovan, you are a genius at gathering resources because I know because you gather resources for me to share with our online community in the Herbal Medicine <laughs> for Women course. You've just been doing that and it's been really amazing. Do you have a couple or a few top resources for women who are healing from miscarriage? Mm -hmm. Well, one, I'm so grateful that you wrote that blog post around... Um, miscarriage at home, because I actually use that a lot in my practice now. Oh, thank um, you. It's beautiful. And it's definitely something I wish had like been like right there when I was going through mine. Um, so I think that that's something that's, that's super useful. Like, how do you um, go through this? And then also, how do you heal yourself afterwards? So I think that that's a beautiful resource. Um, Postpartum Support International is is good. I think that there's a lot of really good information around how to um, how to deal with the postpartum and how to and like what kind of support systems are there um, out there for you um, to work through that kind of um, that kind of grief. Um, and there's another one, and this is who I've um, 
done some training under uh, is Nakia Hall. Um, and she uh, founded an organization called Quietly United and Lost Together Awareness Campaign. And so she actually trains doulas on um, working with pregnancy loss um, and stillbirth. And um, so she's a really great resource. And she has like um, uh, private groups for, for folks who are going through pregnancy loss. And so I think that that's a really um, beautiful organization to to connect with. Um, and then, uh, was it stillbirth today is another resource as well. I'll make sure that. we get all those links posted. Thank you for sharing those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any thoughts that you or feelings, anything inspiration that you want to share? Yes. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is, is that I think is just so important is for us as, um, as, as women, um, to get super familiar with our own health and wellness. Um, for me, this, even, even if you weren't a practicing herbalist, I think it's important that you do know information around, you know, foods that are healing herbs that are healing and being able to incorporate that into your life. Um, and you know, for, so for me, that was, that was a big part was like really, knowing what is what is helpful to you what is helpful to your life and then being able to um to to know where you may be falling short and where there are other resources and people that you can reach out to it's the work we're doing together jovan is to help take the information that we would have gone gotten hopefully from our grandmothers and re re revitalize it and bring it back into as many women's hands who want to have it. Mm-hmm. Takes You have sovereignty over your body and over your wellness always. Jovan has Her. a wonderful um, <laughs> repertoire, you guys. Um, she lives on the Georgia seacoast. She runs a farm. She modestly says that she used to run a restaurant, but she and her partner actually ran a James Beard nominated restaurant. And she creates herbal products and postpartum has a postpartum meal delivery service and she teaches. So Jovan, what is the best, what is your best recommendation for where folks who want to learn more about you and just like connect with you and see more of what you're doing can go? Absolutely. The best place is going to be my website. Uh, it's sageslarder.com. Um, and uh, for folks who are curious, a larder is just an old school term for a pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's where, that's where all the healing stuff is. It's in your pantry, y'all. Um, and so um, for me, it's just, it's sageslarger.com. And you can um, learn more about my um, doula work, my herbal work, and my wellness coaching work. Um, all of that is is right there on sageslarger.com. And even though it's all cool with people who grab their hippie names and like their earthy names and their traditional names, you are actually, sage is your given less, is your given name. Yes, yes. Devon Sage <laughs> is on my birth certificate. Love it. Um, my my dad is Mr. Sage, so uh, <laughs> it it is a family la- name that has been um, passed down since um, since slavery times uh-huh. as well. Well, you bring the wisdom of a sage, Jovan. Thank you for your heart and your mind and what you have gone through in your body, heart, and mind, and bringing that so openly to us today and sharing the story which was lost pain and sounds like has been incredible transformation for you as well 
Absolutely. But isn't that what transformation is all about? It is. You know, um, I think so many of us in our culture were fed this um, belief that life should be easy and it should be fun and it should be, but it's real. It's real. And I think that uh, anyone who's going through anything around pregnancy, birth, postpartum, emotional challenges, anything in their, in their physical health, we know it's real, right? So thank you for keep, keeping it real with me. Absolutely. And thank you for holding space. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We always welcome your thoughts, comments, um, your good wishes and um, in, the, in the comment section. And please do share this episode. Share all the episodes. But this is one topic that I know that as women, we don't talk about enough and too many women are living in shame or sadness or grief alone. So share this with any woman that you've, anyone, you know, partners too, that you feel would benefit. And I'll see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.